Hi, I'm Bill Mitchell, host of When Dating Hurts. Two years ago, I launched my Dating Violence podcast. Back then, I knew very little about recording, editing, or uploading to a hosting platform. Frankly, I didn't know what a hosting platform meant. When recording episodes, I needed it to be easy for me and my guests. You see, I was capturing highly emotional personal stories, and I couldn't have guests fiddling around, clicking buttons, starting and stopping over and over again. I launched with Zencaster, and I stayed with them. The reason is, it's just so darn easy. And today's Zencaster lets you record with high-quality audio and video. You can edit and distribute, too, all in one place. No more bouncing around from one platform to another to create your podcast. So, if you're interested, go to Zencaster.com pricing and use my code, when dating hurts, all one word, and you'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. I want you to have the same experiences I do for all my podcasting and content needs. Isn't it time to tell your story? I'm Bill Mitchell, and this is When Dating Hurts, a podcast dedicated to my daughter, Kristen, and all women taken from us before their time by the epidemic known as dating violence. I will speak with authorities in domestic violence, law enforcement professionals, families of victims and survivors, and survivors themselves. Amy is an abuse survivor. Most of it was emotional, some was physical. By now you may recognize the pattern. Really nice guy, sense of humor. He's coming off a relationship where he was the good person, and in this case, his wife was just crazy. He's wonderful for a while, then not as wonderful. Then argumentative and feisty, then emotionally abusive, and then impossible to leave. Here's Amy's story. So today we're speaking with Amy on the When Dating Hurts podcast, and her situation is really still kind of ongoing. So we'll see how far she wants to talk about that. I was very excited to see her email and, and wrote back to her immediately. And so welcome to the When Dating Hurts podcast, Amy. It's really good to have you on here. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. Good. Kind of give me a little sense of what growing up was like in terms of your nuclear family before boyfriends and were even a dream or thought? Sure. Pretty normal childhood, probably middle class, lower middle class. Uh, my parents were divorced when I was 10. Uh, yeah. And so my dad's kind of always been pretty distant and we were estranged for quite some time until recently. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, you know, typical childhood, no major issues, no, no child abuse, no nothing like that. Brothers and sisters? I have one brother. He's about eight years younger than me. Okay. Uh, yep. If we want to start marching our way then towards the person you had problems with. So you were married, but not to the abusive person. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. So you were married for a piece of time. You and this guy decided we're not going to be married. You know, that took care of itself. Then how do you meet up with the next person who comes along? How does, how does that go? You know, where are you? What's going on? How did you feel? First impressions, things like that. Sure. Yeah. And so I think part of the context of how I ended up in this relationship was that I was 
very upset about my divorce. That took me a while to get over. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now I realize we were just different people and we're still friends and everything is okay. But um, I was sort of looking for somebody that was much different than my ex-husband, trying not to repeat those mistakes. Now, just if I could slow you down a little bit, different how? My ex-husband, uh, who's the, the father of my daughter, was pretty selfish, not really contributing so much to the, to the mental load of the family and the caretaking of our daughter. Mm -hmm. And I was really overwhelmed in that relationship. There were some issues with infidelity on his part. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just didn't really feel like there was an effort being made on his side towards the relationship. Mm -hmm. So I was really looking for someone that was more, more of a team player, more of a partner. Real contributor partner to, the, to, yeah. to the family itself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where are you when you meet this person who you thought was stepping the right direction? So I'm about two years out from my separation and divorce from my ex-husband. Mm -hmm. And I decided to do online dating. So I met him online. We're going to call him Brian today. Okay. Uh, so we meet online and sort of the immediate hitting it off thing happens that you kind of expect. We seemed really compatible. We had a lot of things in common. We shared all the same values. We both were divorced single parents. So we knew what that life was like and we knew exactly what we wanted. And we just sort of seemed to line up on a lot of the things that, that were important to me at the time. Do you feel that the online profile that he used matched the real person? It matched the person that he, he presented at the beginning of the relationship. Uh, now. No, I don't think it matches who he who he truly is. Okay, so he kind of created who he was, kind of a little little facade job there, and the writing and the likes and dislikes, hobbies and styling and whatever you want to call that. Yeah, and I'm sort of still trying to figure out what how much was real and and how much was maybe embellished or mm -hmm. or made to sound a certain way uh, for other reasons. Did he start out seeming like the profile, or did you see? Through yes, that? he did. You did. Okay, so that, okay. Mm -hmm. And do you think that that was, there's a term I've only heard, probably everyone else knows it, but I've heard only in the last year or so called mirroring, you know, so that person kind of catches on to what your likes and dislikes are and then mirrors it. Basically, it's like, oh, I like this kind of music. Oh, wow, I like that kind of music too, which they probably never listened to, but they know it'll play well in your head. Was there that type of thing? Or am I, am I guessing poorly? Those things kind of matched up, and he did. He was actively doing things like that. And so it's unclear how much of it truly matched up and how much of it ended up being some kind of mirroring okay. you know, to make him more likable. Or, you know. Right, more attractive to you. Yeah. So you meet this person on Match.com or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. And where do you first meet up? Do you do one of the kind of cliched coffee shop thing? So he was – I was living uh, maybe – 45 minutes away from him at the time. Um, and he was going somewhere for a work conference. And he said, I can meet you after my conference today on this date. Uh, and we did. And we went and we went to a bar. He didn't drink at the time. So we just went to a bar. I had a drink. We sort of hung out. And then we went back and hung out at his in his hotel that he was staying at at the time. Do you think that you say he wasn't drinking at the time? Do you think he stopped for a bit or do you think he just really wasn't drinking at the time? He's never been a big drinker that I've known. Okay. And he had some like medical issues where it was important for him not to drink for a period of time. 
And so I think he just got out of the habit and it just wasn't important to him. Not part of his thing. Okay. Yep. You get together with him, you meet up with him. And so after that first date or time together was behind you and you went back to your place, what, what was going through your mind? What do you think? Like pretty impressed or eh? So what? Yeah, no, I felt like the connection was what I thought it was going to be because we had been talking for quite some time before we met up. Okay. Um, just because we were both parents, so our child care schedules didn't quite match up where we had time alone at the same time. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> without kids. Right, right. So it was a right. little bit hard. Sure. Uh, but we, I mean, we stayed up almost all night talking. We got along really well. He was really respectful and funny. You know, it was just everything flowed naturally. It felt really comfortable. And so it was exactly what I, what I had expected based on our conversations before then. Okay. So this kind of nice period, how long did that last, would you say, before you started to see some cracks in the statue? So I think the first time we had a fight was maybe like two months into the relationship was the first sign that I can remember. Mm -hmm. Now you say fight, is that just sort of arguing back and forth? Yes. Nothing bigger than that? No, nobody's getting physical? No one's getting physical at this point, no. Okay. So that put a little question mark in your head, I guess, right? When you argued with him, how would you describe his style of arguing? He wanted to control the conversation and he wanted to be heard. And there was no sort of attempts at understanding me or listening to my side most of the time. It was just sort of just getting berated. Trying to convince you he, he had it all figured out. He was right. Yeah. And, and it was over things that I didn't even think were that big of a, you know, a problem. Like I think that first time when we got in this big fight, it was because he felt like I wasn't maybe as committed to the relationship as he was or as ready to be serious or as satisfied with the relationship as he had, had expected. You know, and of course to me, I'm like, well, I just got out of a, a marriage. I'm, you know, we're only two months in. I think that's pretty normal to, to mm -hmm. be kind of taking it slow. And, you know, but he was always convinced that I was lying to him or manipulating him in some way. And so he had a problem with, you know, me telling him that I liked him so much, but then not, not being a hundred percent ready to, to leap into something more serious. And it just set him off, I think is what happened that first time. The When Dating Hurts podcast is supported by Cure Hydration. The purpose of the When Dating Hurts podcast is for us to achieve healthier relationships in life. The purpose of Cure is to help achieve healthier hydration routines. Dehydration is the leading cause of daytime fatigue. Even mild dehydration can cause muscle weakness and brain fog. I feel it when I'm playing pickleball for hours and water doesn't do enough. I was excited when I discovered Cure. It's an electrolyte packet that hydrates just as effectively as an IV drip. Cure packets are convenient and easy to use. Just mix them with water, then drink. Pretty perfect when you're on the go, or traveling, or really anytime you need a fast hydration boost. Cure helps your body absorb water and rehydrate quickly, and Cure comes in a bunch of delicious flavors. Just mix Cure in 8 to 16 ounces of water, and you're good to go. Try Cure soon, and you'll feel the difference. Head to curehydration.com 
And when you check out, add my discount code, when dating hurts one, all one word, no spaces, when dating hurts one, and you'll get 20% off your order of Cure. Cure hydration with Cure. Yeah, one of the things that I hear about quite often with people who end up being abusive one one way or another, or both ways, I guess, really, emotionally, physically, is that they want to hurry up the relationship. You know, they kind of want it to move along. And if, in this case, he feels like you're dragging your heels a bit, in other words, you know, what's wrong with you? I thought you liked me and, you know, I'm here and you're 10 steps back. What's What's the deal, right? So, but part of what happens with people who, who are abusive or end up acting out abusively is they want things to clip along and part, it's almost like somebody trying to sell you a car. You know, they're, they don't want you to be going through, well, you know, I don't know about the hubcaps and it's junk. It's like, nah, look, they want to seal the deal. They don't want you to get into a million questions. And how about we come back tomorrow? It's like, okay, look, 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 you know, so sign it here. So I guess he was kind of giving you the pressure job and mm-hmm. he just hoped you, you would collapse, I suppose, and take his side of it and catch up to him. Right. Yeah. And it was hard because I had, number one, I was very conflict averse in general. I'm sort of this people pleaser, perfectionist type person. My past relationships, I don't think I've ever even been yelled at. So now this person is screaming at me. He's calling me names. He's hurling insults, threatening to leave, all this kind of stuff. And I'm sort of blindsided and it just kept going. Like, and, and so, you know, at some point he left and he said he was done, you know, with the relationship at that point. But then of course, 30 minutes later in the car, he's already calling me. And then in the morning it was the, you know, I'm so sorry. I'm just disgusted with how I treated you. I can't believe I spoke to you that way. And I just lost it. You know, the the usual, now that I know the usual sort of backtracking and and making it sound like it was a one-time deal or or whatever it was. Yeah. It fits the template. It gets into an area which is convincing apology. You know, they, Mm -hmm. they attribute it to other things or I've got a lot going on in life and this has never happened or it'll never happen again. It's all the things that you would want to hear all served up pretty quickly, you know, to try to Mm -hmm take a big eraser and make last evening go away since it didn't work out in his favor. So he does that. Obviously you stayed in the relationship. I don't know if you can remember back that far. I'm just curious a little bit about you had that blow up. You have the next day. Now he's all over you trying to make you feel better. Did you see him soon after that? Sort of hoping to get back on the track that you thought you were on in the first place. You know what? I don't know if we saw each other in person very soon after that, just because of our custody schedules, basically. But we talked a lot on the phone. You know, we texted a lot. And it sort of got back on track after that. Mm-hmm. You know, it seemed to, he went back to his normal self. And, and he had, he did have this kind of sad story of what I suspect is, is child abuse growing up. And then his ex-wife, that was a very volatile relationship, which, of course, he blamed on her. And so it, he kind of presented as, like, I've had all this relationship trauma. And so, you know, I'm a little bit sensitive or whatever you want to call it sure. to, to trigger essentially what I would call triggers. He refused to acknowledge he had triggers, but what I would call triggers of abandonment and, and things of that nature. Right. So if he feels like it's coming again, he's going to, he's going to lash out one way or another. 
it's his version of PTSD, I guess. I guess. You know, we get things back together. We're doing phone calls. He lives 45 minutes apart anyway, right? So it's not like he can just bounce by on the way to the 7-Eleven, stop in. But so you get back together and like, what are dates like that after that? Are they better for a while or do we get right back into the ring with this guy? Um, No, they're better for a while. And things did start moving pretty quickly because, because of our schedules, we sort of had to introduce our kids to each other relatively quickly in order to be able to spend any time mm-hmm. together. And, you know, that went really well. He really was wonderful with my daughter. His daughter and I got along really well, and he was a very involved, caring, and loving father. And, you know, things were going well. We started to get more serious. We talked about moving in together, buying a house together. So we sort of started in on that process. And, of course, there were a couple, you know, arguments that happened here and there that would get a little more heated than what I wanted, but there was nothing, no big explosions. I did notice, and I think this is also common, that there would tend to be arguments on important days, like major holidays would always mm. be a problem. And I would, you know, I would think in my head, like, why is he picking a fight on New Year's Eve? What is the point? You know, but I've heard now that that kind of is something that happens with abusers. It's like your birthday or vacations or something are always ruined for whatever reason. A lot of those days are mostly charged to begin with. Yeah, I'm not sure why that is that those things happen. I I wonder sometimes is that the abusive person thinks that things are never going to live up to what they should be. So if they can start something, then they don't have to, things couldn't possibly live up to what they should be. So there's a lot of tension going on and, and that day just sort of goes by with, it's not fun, but it, you know, they don't have to perform at a high level because it's all about a tug of war mentally, mental gymnastics, yeah. et cetera. So, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So did you ever get to the point where you do call the moving vans and we're going to move yeah. in now? Oh, you do? Okay. Yep. Okay. All we right. do. So I sold my house. Um, we bought our dream mm-hmm. house together. And I had a period where I needed to be out of my house, but our new house wasn't going to be ready yet. So I moved into his apartment with him for that time. And it was sort of after we were committed to this house, like we had purchased this house, that things started to to go downhill a little bit uh, faster, I would say. And, you know, and it's sort of like maybe because he thought I was stuck that maybe he didn't have to put on such a show. No, I don't know. Yeah, I see what you mean. You know what I mean? Um, like I've already committed. You couldn't exit as quickly as you could before. You could right. say, you know, you I, couldn't grab your keys and go because you're home already. Right. And who knows? I bet that's my, my, no, I think it's a good guess. Scary. Right. Yeah. So yeah, we had a pretty big fight at one point when I was moving into his apartment with him and he, I can't even remember honestly what the fight was about. (laughs) You know, a lot of it, I can't remember what, what the fight was even about. Um, But he was really upset. And at some point he said, you know, get your stuff and go, like just go. Oh, and so, you know, I start, I was really upset. I start packing up my stuff. And then he's, you know, of course, oh, you know, just just sit down because I was freaking out, right? And it seemed like when I got to the point of being escalated or very emotionally dysregulated, he would come down. And so I start freaking out and feverishly packing up my stuff. And he's like, well, why don't you just sit down? Why don't you just, just relax for a few minutes? And I have, you know, I have to put my daughter down. I'm going to come back. 
And I couldn't relax, you know, after that. So I was kept packing. And then he got so angry that I wasn't listening to him, Mm. that I didn't just sit down on the couch like he told me, that he just started throwing my stuff out the front door. Oh, right. Uh, Like on the front steps and... Um, mm -hmm. Yep. So I left for not what you want, right? And and the kids are around during some of this? Is that right? So my daughter was not, thankfully. His daughter was there, but she was sort of on the other half of the apartment where she wouldn't really notice what's going on. Uh, okay. And so I left and, you know, ironically, I didn't know who to call that would understand. And I knew I was going to have to care for my daughter in the upcoming days. So I stayed with my ex-husband in his house with my daughter. Oh my. Uh-huh. And that didn't go over well with Brian later when he found out. But at that point, I didn't, I didn't want to tell my friends because I was embarrassed. Sure you were. I wanted to be near my daughter and she was with him. So I ended up staying there for a few days. And then of course, Brian did the apology. And at this point I'm fully in, you know, we haven't even gotten to the new house yet, but (laughs) here I am in between houses. So I do end up going back there. And then of course things get better for a couple months again. He goes back to the Mr. Nice guy, storybook romance guy, I guess, Mm -hmm. really. Yep. And then you're thinking, wow, if it could just stay like this, this could be okay. Yeah, and of course, there's this whole gaslighting, like, you know, I wasn't, I would never kick you out. I didn't, I didn't mean to say that. I was just angry, and I never mean anything I say. And you just, if you had just waited, I would have explained it. And and it was really your fault for leaving when I asked you to to stay and and sit down. So he's projecting those little uh, gems. Mm-hmm. How are they being received inside your head? Are you buying any of that? At the time, when he says something like, you were the one packing up and you're the one that was heading out of there. And so it was really your fault. No, in my mind, I was like, you told me to leave. And I took that as leave, just like you said. You know, I, they were your words. Right. And I had told him, you know, I have to feel like I belong here. I can't, this has to feel safe for me because I'm staying here temporarily and I need a place to stay. Mm-hmm. So... And so he's like, well, I would never. And I said, okay. And he said, so in the future, just say, you don't mean that you're angry, blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay, but I took your word for it when you said it the first time. I'm not going to stay if someone tells me to leave, you know, so aggressively. So, When Dating Hurts is sponsored by BetterHelp. There have been a couple of times when I called upon therapy to help me handle complicated life issues I was facing. The loss of my daughter left me sad and sometimes angry, and it started to color my days. But sharing thoughts with a trained therapist offered techniques for coping, helped direct me emotionally, and take what I felt to use it as energy. We want the best versions of ourselves, and better help can help find what is getting in the way. If you've ever thought about trying therapy, give better help a try. It's conveniently flexible and will work within your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and you'll be matched with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists anytime you want at no additional charge. Visit BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, BetterHelp.com slash WhenDatingHurts and get 10% off your first month. Find more balance with BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp.com slash WhenDatingHurts. How do you think he felt that you weren't buying his story? You know, he wasn't, he wasn't, he was dictating how you should feel. You should 
you should be the guilty party in this, not he. I asked that because I just interviewed somebody last week who reached the point where she was so on edge and so off balance that if he had said the same type of thing to her, she'd probably say, wow, I don't know, maybe he's right. You know, maybe it is my fault. Maybe I cause all of his bad behavior, which is, of course, what he wants mm -hmm. you to feel. Yeah. And I did get to that point eventually. Oh, you did? Yeah. And and I think he, he was pretty unsettled any time that I didn't buy his his narrative that he was selling. <laughs> yeah. But I did get to that point eventually. Where you just bought the whole story? Where I, you know, I tried to buy the story, I should say. I, you know, in, in my mind, it, I was like, I couldn't fathom how you could treat someone that you love that way. Mm -hmm. Cause I would never do that. Mm -hmm. So in, in my head, I was thinking the only reason for this is that maybe there is something wrong with me. Maybe, maybe there is something I'm doing or something that is really triggering him or something. I did try to convince myself of that because I thought there's, it's the only way to sort of reconcile his behavior with the person that you thought he was before, which now I'm learning this term cognitive dissonance, which is, what they do a lot, right? And so I tried that, but I never felt it in my heart. Like I really couldn't get fully on board with it ever. And I think that's why I didn't stay longer. But I did try to convince myself that, God, I'm maybe I am the problem. And it just never stuck. Well, I think for some people who are on the receiving end of the abuse, whether they buy it or not, they realize that if they do at least act like they buy it, then maybe there can be peace in the land. Like, let him have his way. You know, what do I, yeah. what do I care? You know, you want, I did that all the time. You want me to be yeah. guilty? I'm guilty. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. Let's, uh, let's quit yelling and throwing things or whatever we're doing. Yes. I did that a lot, a lot. Right. And it had to be convincing. I had to really put on a show because if it wasn't convincing, he would be even more annoyed that I was just trying to acquiesce. And you know. now you're playing with him. <laughs> yeah yeah so i really had to sell it if i was going to do that but i did i did learn pretty well how to do that uh, so we got this uh, get out of the house bit and now you're back in there and so where do we go now we go to the next chapter of this relationship a couple months after that we had a wonderful family vacation you know with his family we had a great fourth of july together just the two of us everything looked great and then i you know and of course i don't remember again what the but set it off. But we had a, an argument. And this is when really things start going downhill. Um, and that, so this was in July, uh -huh. just to get it. So this was eight months after we started dating. Okay, good. And yeah, it's good to know that. Okay. Yeah. And so I thought we were in a really good place. Are you in the house at this point? I guess you must be. Yeah, okay. we're in the house. And this day was a day where my daughter was there and his daughter was not. And he started a fight over something. Mm-hmm. Uh -huh. And I really wasn't interested <laughs> in arguing over whatever it was. And so, of course, we're doing this back and forth thing. And, and I think I had put my daughter to bed already. So she was asleep and he's yelling at me and he's calling me names and all the all the typical stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's really but it's really aggressive this time. And then I kept trying to get away from him physically. Like, mm -hmm. I need some space. This I can't do this right now. I need to go in a different room than you. And he really didn't like that. He didn't like me trying to separate myself. Mm -hmm. And so it was getting late as well. And I was like, I just need to go to bed. Like, we can talk about it in the morning, but I'm just going to go to bed. And he was not going to let that happen. And he made that very clear. And so at one point, I went into the guest bedroom and I laid on the bed 
and he ripped the footboard off of the bed like while I was on it so that I couldn't sleep and he would turn on all the lights and he said I'm not letting you sleep and I thought if I went into the room where my daughter was he would leave me alone because Mm -hmm. she was there didn't want to put on that display in front of her right I hoped yeah you hoped and sort of the issue though was because we were still getting the girls' rooms ready, painting and everything like that, she was in this sort of area in the master bedroom, like a little sitting area is where her bed was at the time. Okay. So it was sort of connected to the master bedroom. Mm -hmm. So I went in there and then at some point, I don't even know when he went downstairs to get it. He comes up with with pots and pans. Oh. And he bangs it so loud next to my ear that my ear was ringing. I guess so. That's horrible. Right. And he said he was just going to make as much noise as possible so that I couldn't sleep all night. Well, by some miracle, my daughter doesn't wake up. I'm only maybe 15 feet away from her. You know, kids. <laughs> Thank God. Yes. Um, mm. Yeah. So I run over to cover her ears because I'm afraid he's going to do it again. I really don't want her to be affected by this. Ugh. And he doesn't do it again. And then I realize I'm really going to have to turn up the, the, you know, you're right. I, you know. This is my fault, it's whatever, all me. whatever. It's all me. Yeah. Yeah. Just to get him to, to stop, basically. Mm. And he finally stops and he goes to sleep. It's like four in the morning. And I'm just thinking, like, I got to get out of here. And I happen to be off work the next day. So the next day he gets up, goes to work. I call somebody to, to drop my dog off with them. I pack up some stuff. I go to my friend's house. She's there with her daughter. I leave my daughter with them. And I go and file for a protective order. Oh, wow. So I do have some experience with protective orders. Yeah, um, yeah. And just so everybody knows, when you, when you do file for one, it's quite possible that you are going to have to tell the judge in front of a, a courtroom of other people who are there for the same reason, both victims and perpetrators. Yes. Why you're asking for the protective order. Yes. Right. So I was granted a temporary one for two weeks. But he's not in the room, though, is he? He is not there because I because the first one that you ask for, they don't know about. That's a temporary one? Yeah, because I showed up and I filed and they said, okay, the hearing's in two hours. Can you just wait and, and stay? I got you. And they'll hear it. Yep, same day. I got you. Yep. So he had no idea. He's still at work. Mm. So I filed for it. I did not say, you can say in there if you live together, whether or not you want that person to have to vacate the house or not. And I said, no, he can stay. I will go. Mm-hmm. And so I stayed with friends, you know, sort of couch surfing for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. He didn't try to contact me at all. I, I got an attorney. He got an attorney. And through the attorneys, we sort of reached an agreement on him buying me out from the house and a couple other things. And he was all agreeable to it. And so I said, okay, wow, maybe, you know, mm-hmm. I was being dramatic or something because he's not, he's not harassing me. He's not violating anything. Mr. Reasonable at this point. Sure. Yep. So, you know, and it was sort of this thing where if, if he signs this agreement for the house and, and does everything that you want, will you dismiss the protective order? Oh. Okay. And so I said, okay, I'll dismiss it. He hasn't tried to do anything and I don't feel like I need it at this point. So I dismiss it. And then we start talking again and he wants to meet me in person and I was nervous about it. So we meet in a public place. The When Dating Hurts podcast is supported by BlendJet. Big, bulky blenders are a real pain to use. But the BlendJet 2 blender makes blending a snap. 
I'm using mine several times a day. Convenience is the reason why. The BlendJet 2 is portable, so you can blend up a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym, or even a margarita on the beach. It can fit into your cup holder, but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice and frozen fruit with ease. And BlendJet 2 is whisper quiet, so you can make your morning smoothie without waking up the whole house. BlendJet lasts for 15 or more blends and recharges quickly via USB-C. Best of all, BlendJet 2 cleans itself. Just blend water with a drop of soap and you're good to go. With over 30 plus colors and patterns to choose from, there's a BlendJet 2 to complement any style. Blend anytime, anywhere with the BlendJet 2 Portable Blender. Seriously, what are you waiting for? No other blender on the market comes close to the quality, power, and innovation of the BlendJet 2. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Shop today and get the best deal ever. Head to BlendJet.com and use the promo code WHENDATINGHURTS12 for your 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. That's BlendJet. And he, like where? Like a coffee shop. And so he's like dressed in all nice. He's like in a suit. He looks super nervous. He's like shaking. And he's, you know, giving me everything you want to hear, right? Like he had um, some kind of epiphany where mm-hmm, yes. he recognized. Yeah. Sure. And, and you know, like he recognized that he was, he behaved terribly. He has an anger problem. He started seeing a, a therapist. He started meditating. He took full accountability and made no excuses at all for his behavior. There was no gaslighting. There was no blaming me. There was no nothing. There was just, that was really unacceptable. Mm-hmm. I take responsibility for that. I am a broken human and I have, I have a lot of problems I need to address. And I, see the, I see the error of my ways. Huh? Sure. And here's how I'm going to address them. I started the therapist. I started medication. I started meditating. He wanted to get back together and give him another shot. He had this whole plan about this is what's gonna we're gonna do when we get in a fight so it doesn't escalate and you know we can both agree to these like fair fighting rules and you know things like that. I said okay and I didn't move back in right away, but we sort of were talking a lot. It took a few weeks, but we had had some disagreements even in conversation and they were handled perfectly, like very respectfully. He even fully admitted you know, this whole time I've been saying that you're manipulating me, but it's really me that's been manip- manipulating you. And I said, wow, okay, he understands. Mm-hmm. You know, he has an understanding of what was really happening. And I'm not crazy because I've been feeling that the whole time. So it's very validating to, to hear that from him, that sure. he could have that right. understanding. So it was a little bit hard because I had told all my friends, right, what happened. A couple of them were a little hesitant about me getting back together with him. Sure, there was a lot of, are you sure? Well, and straight up, like, this is not a good idea. And I don't support this, right? And and it's hard because, and I know you've talked about this before, but it's it's the fine line between voicing your concerns and losing your friend's trust. Because yeah, what really needs to be said is maybe like, you know, I'm kind of, ner- I'm really nervous about this, but I'm your friend and I will support you no matter what. That is true. That's what you hope. The friends will, you hope friends will get to that place. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You can see why they don't because they're all set up. They're thinking, wow, okay, you know, we're done with this guy. You can do better. He's playing you and all these things. And you're thinking, I don't know. It sure looked real to me. 
It was very convincing. And I thought, you know, I would regret it if I didn't give it one more chance, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Right. And so there was one friend that I sort of fell off with because of that. Because at that point, I didn't want to say anything else to her. Like, I, you know, I just, it's hard when you feel like someone's not being supportive. And, and also at the same time, you're sort of thinking the same thing. You don't want to disappoint them when it when it goes south again. Which you in the back of your mind, you sort of know. You make the choices you make with the information you have. <laughs> right. I mean, you make the call at the moment, and you're either going to be very right or very wrong. Mm -hmm. That's just the way it is. So we get back together, and the same thing. Everything's going really well. I actually would come home from work and see him meditating outside, you know, without me saying anything or. Yeah. You know, so he looked like he was practicing what he, he had promised me. That was July, end of July. Now it's August. Uh, in September, we start seeing a couples therapist. Oh, okay. How about that? Yep. So he agrees. And, and actually, this is kind of ironic. He had taken, Brian had taken some master's level courses for family counseling. Go figure. Yeah. So Was it his idea to see a couples counselor? Um, I think it was my idea. And, and so how it worked is I sort of provided a couple options. I sort of did the, the legwork and then he sort of chose which, which one he thought would be a better fit for us or for him. Okay. We go to see this, this counselor, which is a man. We went for a total of three sessions. One day where I laid it all out for the counselor, you know, he's screaming at me. He's insulting me, calling me terrible names, all this, all you these terrible You give him the pots things. and pans bit too? You know, I don't know if we, I don't think we did that. I think we sort of put that in the past and said, we're making a new start. Okay. No, I just didn't. I mean, I, I wondered if that came up with the counselor, but. No. But, yep. but you get in the yelling, screaming, name calling. And you, you laid out enough to paint a picture of this guy really losing it. In front yeah. of you. Well, I thought so. Right. And, and so Brian sort of says, you know. I've had anger problems. I've been trying to deal with them for years. And he even starts to get tearful and says, you know, sometimes when the bomb goes off, there's just no coming back after that. The bomb. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and so I guess to translate that, it's like at a certain point in the argument, something lights a fuse and then he can't bring himself back down from mm -hmm. being so escalated after that. I see what you mean. Yeah, I get it which to me is not my problem, but the therapist's comment was, well, then let's focus on before the bomb goes off, not letting the bomb go off. Mm -hmm. It's hard because you don't know what's going to make the bomb go off, right? It's not predictable. And if I could affect that in any way, I would have by now. But it was very dismissive of my complaints of essentially what I knew to be emotional abuse. Because I thought there was going to be some kind of confrontation from the therapist. Like, hey, what, are you, what is she talking about? You can't do that. You know, something. But there wasn't. There was just, okay, well, then let's focus on not letting the bomb go off. And so then when we would have fights in the future, Brian would accuse me of not doing what the therapist said. You made the bomb go off. Yeah, I, I let the bomb go you off. You pushed it to the point where the bomb went off. So you did. So yeah. you're, the, you're the bad guy again. Right. You're the cause of all the nuclear bombs, et cetera. Yeah, that's convenient. Was that the, yeah. was that the third time you went of the three times? To the that was the, the third time, and we didn't go again because Brian said he felt betrayed and blindsided by what I said. Oh, and truth will do that sometimes. <laughs> 
And so he didn't want to be in that situation again. So he didn't feel that there was any benefit of, of doing that. I guess you made him look bad in front of the therapist. Yeah. Up until then, it was a nice relationship, a nice chat. Yeah. Yeah, enough to make him go a couple more times. But yeah, he was not willing to go. So the walk away was, once again, there could be peace in the land as long as you're the cause of all the problems. Yeah, right. So we don't go back to the therapist. We head home. How long before we get the next bomb to go off? So I think therapy ended. I think the last one we had was in November. So the same year in November. And we had a couple of those similar little arguments on holidays that were already ongoing. Our, our one-year anniversary was miserable as well. And then in December, I would say between December and mid-January, it just got unbearable. Arguments every single day. Oh. I wasn't mm. getting sleep because he wanted to argue until he was done. And I learned already that there was no sense in trying to fight him on that because it was just going to make it worse. So he's bringing the, the full fury at this point. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's hitting all the high notes he used to hit in the past. And, yep, and more. Yep. And meditation's done at this point? That's done. We stopped doing that a few months ago. I'm trying to think of the other promises he made. I don't think he was on medicine anymore. I think he stopped seeing the therapist. I think it just all fell out the window at that point. You're just getting it full force now, daily. Yeah. The same stuff, plus he's throwing things. What would be an example of something that he might send your way? So one time, for example, we're arguing in the bathroom and he sort of swiped everything off of my side of the, the counter, like really aggressively. So it like flew across the room. Mm -hmm. He threw a glass cup at one point, not at me. It shattered on the floor. And then one time he threw a, like a metal tumbler cup okay. and it hit me in the arm and he swore up and down. He wasn't throwing it at me. He swears I must have just moved into the path of this thing yeah, because yeah. he was definitely not throwing it at me. No, 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 of course not. And then this was when it also started becoming more physical. Like he would grab my face, like in, in his hand, like grab my jaw and like hold my face. And he would put his hand over my mouth if he didn't want to hear what I had to say during an argument. And then he would really not want me to take breaks from the argument because there were times when I would say I need a break and I would go into the bathroom, close the door, 10 minutes, however long, come back out. He would be pounding at the door when the doors was broken because of this, trying to get to me. Uh -huh. And so it was just really, it was just really getting ugly. This is the end of part one of Amy's story. Head straight to part two and see how she becomes more caught up in Brian's manipulation and abuse. Like all survivor stories, it gets worse before it gets better. I'd like to thank my guests and my listening audience for their support. It is clear our listeners look for and play survivor episodes above all others. They get caught up between the forces of good and evil, all the time pulling for the moment a victim becomes a survivor. I am open to other victims and survivors who want to join with me on the When Dating Hurts podcast. We can shine a bright light on the epidemic of dating and domestic violence. We can improve lives and save some innocent people from a lifetime of broken dreams. If you want to tell your victim or survivor story, please contact me at Bill Mitchell at WhenDatingHurts.com. 
That's Bill Mitchell at WhenDatingHurts.com. Hey guys, I'm Jamie Beebe. And I'm Jake Deptula. We're the hosts of the true crime podcast, Strictly Stalking, brought to you from Podcast One. Each week, Strictly Stalking gives stalking survivors the platform to share their stories in their own words. Do you know why survivors refer to stalking as murder in slow motion? Have you ever felt like you were being hunted by a stranger? Would you know where to turn if a stalker was living in your house and you didn't know? We're bringing you these stories to raise awareness about stalking and give you the resources to know what to do if you or someone you know is being stalked. So tune in to Strictly Stalking each week as we dive into the largely unknown crime of stalking. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite true crime podcast. Mm-hmm.